Just look at the load I'm hauling Hard work, I hit it harder Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer Sun up to sundown Backing up traffic all the way to town Camo hat and a farmer's tan Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Well, welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. We're awful glad you're here. On this episode, we'll head back to Commodity Classic 2020 in San Antonio and the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky, for more of the interviews conducted at each of those shows. Included are interviews with representatives of Farmer's Edge, YouTube, Millennial Farmer, Kansas State University, Bush Hog, and Lockjaws. And then we'll take you to Hank Snow's iconic Rainbow Ranch in Madison, Tennessee, for the music of former voice contestant Cody Wickline. You won't want to miss a moment of it. Let's go. Well, first up this week, we hear from Chris Kennard with Winnipeg-based Farmer's Edge, which provides data-driven precision agriculture applications for broad acre and specialty crops. The company rolled out some new technology, Commodity Classic, and invited Fastline Fast Track to have a look. Chris, welcome into Fastline Fast Track. Yeah, thanks for having me. We've had Farmer's Edge on the show here a few times here to describe new product rollouts. And now here at Commodity Classic, you've got a new one in SmartCab. Yeah, SmartCab, that's right. So, um, yeah, something new to the marketplace is one of our solutions. Uh, we identified that, you know, a lot of farmers, they might have made an investment already in some of the hardware or some technology. You know, maybe they've made that investment into a weather station or some type of other precision ag service. But we want them to experience our in-cab service, right? So we, we have our telematics device, our cam plug. Um, so with the SmartCab, they would get access or, uh, to this telematics device. Uh, they're going to get our in-cab experience, so they're going to get access to our app. Um, they're going to get that in-cab experience, but they're also going to get our standard imagery services. Uh, they're going to get our boots on the ground support, and they're going to get everything else within our app. So uh, in terms of our scouting tool and um, our markets tool as well. So it's giving access to really everything within our app and, and making sure that we're really related to that to the equipment side of things for that. Um, viewing of live machine in the field and then that raw data that's being collected as the machine's traveling through the field. Mm-hmm. So what else is new at Farmer's Edge since last time we've talked to you? So today's actually a big day for us. Uh, we're having an, an upgrade to Farm Command, so we're looking at the next generation of Farm Command. Um, it, it's a big release that, we, that we've got coming out today uh, in terms of really better user experience for all of our growers. Uh, not really you know, it doesn't matter the size of the farm, but then also for our partners as well. Uh, so looking at improved usability, improved imp- performance, and, and really making sure that everything within our system in terms of data tools that the farmer has access to is easily accessible, and we can give the, the farmers that full picture of what's going on in their farm and in an easy way. Mm-hmm. Well, you talk about an easy way. Talk a bit about the support that comes with that, because I'm sure there's some people still today that probably get overwhelmed when they think about everything that goes into precision agriculture and uh, you know they may not be as comfortable with a lot of it what do you guys offer that can help them through that definitely well as you know egg technology and technology in general it moves quick right so we have a large team of support staff uh, we have an agronomist that help on the agronomy side of things we have our tech specialists that help with everything tech related equipment related and then we have our uh, CSM so our customer service managers that really help with making sure that 
the farmers are uh, familiar with the tools, they, they are familiar with using them, and they're really seeing value in the, in the investment they've made with Farmer's Edge. So another thing that uh, is popular these days for you is uh, a new smart water technology. Tell us about that. Yeah, smart water is coming from our partnership with Lindsay Irrigation. Um, we see the need for managing not only equipment and the fields, but also managing irrigation equipment. So we partnered with Lindsay. Uh, we're going to integrate their systems and their technology into our own system to help farmers access that irrigation management through one platform. Uh, so looking at managing whether a, uh, a irrigation pivot is, is turned on, is it applying, is there any issues, uh, being able to see as applied data, like variable rate uh, of the water as we're going across the field. So we're excited about that partnership and, and what we're going to be bringing uh, for the irrigation community. Well, if folks want to know more about it, where can they go to learn more? Well, definitely they can reach us on our website, uh, farmersedge.ca, and they can always hit us up on social media. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions. They can contact me directly, and, and we can work through anything. And, Chris, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. While at Commodity Classic, we had the chance to spend some time chatting with Zach Johnson, who's become a YouTube sensation in the ag industry for his channel, Millennial Farmer. The fifth-generation Minnesota corn and soybean farmer started his channel in 2016, and in four years has grown into more than 400,000 followers. Today, he's considered an influencer in the industry, and his content has become a must-see. Zach, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Yeah, thank you for having me. So everywhere it seems that I go these days, your name seems to pop up, man. You guys are, are doing a yeoman's job here. You've got uh, one of the most popular YouTube channels in agriculture. I've been sitting here. We're in the uh, in the booth here with FBN, and um, and I've been watching people come through here. They they, uh, they just really connect with you, man. So tell us about the genesis of the show and what building it has been like for you. It's been uh, pretty crazy. Definitely turned into something that I never expected. I mean, the, the whole idea of it was to take my cell phone, make a one or two minute video about what I'm doing on the farm and just try to connect with people to show them the realities of, hey, this is what we do out here. You know, this is who we are and, and this is what we love to do. And and it's just snowballed into this this whole other thing now that has just brought all these opportunities to, to my family and, and to myself to be able to come to shows like this and, and meet with people and build this platform up to, to really be able to connect with a lot of people about what it is we we do on a, on a really on a base that I just I you know I never could have have imagined that the platform would be where it is today. So it's it's been pretty crazy. Uh, what year did you get your start with it? Uh, spring of 2016. So almost four years ago now. Uh -huh. And how have you seen it evolve over that time? Well, you know, for the first year and a half, it was all just making videos with my cell phone. And when I came across something interesting, I'd make a video and explain what was going on and and why I was doing what I was doing. And uh, that that. It was catching on and, and people were watching and then all of a sudden I had a couple videos that really took off and, and we hit the videos hard during harvest and people loved it and it's just like since then it just has kept snowballing into this thing that now we have to manage and, and take care of and, and you know line up events like this and, and talk to sponsors and talk to everybody we got to work with along this whole deal and, and it's just been pretty crazy, but very fortunate. And one of the cool things I've, I've seen just standing here, some of the kids, uh, I mean, they look up to you like, like a, uh, an athlete or a rock star. It's terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's it's been great there again to be able to connect with the kids. And, and you know, I think connecting with the kids is one of the most important things we can do because that, that generation as they're coming up, we need to make sure that some of them have an understanding about agriculture, whether they come from a farm or not, and, and hopefully get them excited about agriculture and about farming. And, and I don't care what kind of farming it is or what you do or what you grow or how you market it or whatever it might be, but just agriculture in general, right? I mean, 
those of us within agriculture, I mean, we love agriculture. We know it's pretty cool, but uh, we need to make sure that uh, the, the kids think it's cool too because those are the people that are, are going to matter in the future. And I know th there's so much talk these days about the challenges in agriculture, but so much of what you're trying to do is to keep it positive. Yeah, I, I think I think that's big. You, you got to keep it positive. You know, um, I don't want to use my my platform to whine about what I'm going through or, or what the work entails of today. I mean, I just want to keep it positive and show people, hey, this this is some of the stuff we deal with. It's it's not all, you know, it, it's not all easy. It, it it can be hard work and it can be stressful and it can be risky and and that's the reality of it. But uh, the other reality is that I love what I do. I don't know what else I would want to do. And how do you? One of the things I think is really important about what you're doing is the authenticity there. I mean, it's not contrived. You're not staging stuff. You, you guys are, you're just pulling back the curtain on what day-to-day -day looks like for you. Yeah, I, I don't have time to stage stuff. I mean, it, it is what it is. And and I carry my camera around, which is about the size of my cell phone now, and, and it goes in my work, the pocket of my work coat, and it has to, or else I, I can't make the videos the style that I do. It just it just is what it is. You know, whatever happens that day happens, and, and I don't have a plan going into it you know, when I start the day, it's, it's, there's nothing set up. Sure. So what does farming look for like for you here in 2020? What do you have planned for planting season this year? And what, what will that look like uh, on the farm this year? It'll be a lot the same. Uh, one of the things we're going to have to figure out how we want to deal with is the um, three to 400 acres of, of harvested corn stubble that we uh, we didn't get tilled last year. Um, I know a lot of guys, you know, go with, with no-till, and, and I think ultimately in the future I would love to try and figure out a way to make that work. Um, and so I think uh, having that untilled ground right now is going to be an opportunity to try some different things and, and maybe test some different stuff. Um, but at the same time, I know Dad has tested that stuff in the past and, and had some pretty terrible results with it. So um, we're going to have to have those conversations and figure out how we want to work with that as we get into spring here. What kind of feedback do you guys get when people see those videos and they see some of the challenges that you face and some of those questions that you have in your mind? What, what, what kind of uh, unsolicited advice do you get from folks? A lot, yeah. a lot. Um, and oddly enough, you know, people ask about negative feedback. How much negative feedback do you get? And I will say 99% of the feedback that I get is positive. Most of the negative feedback doesn't come from consumers like I thought it would, you know, that are mad about uh, pesticides or GMOs or drain tile. It comes from other farmers, um, which I, I think is... is is really surprising to me. Maybe at this point it's not so surprising, but when it started happening, it was it was surprising. Um, but yeah, there's the, a lot of advice out there for for people that I think haven't had the opportunities to get out and see just how different farming can be when you go from one area to another. And when you change crops, you change soil types, you change climates, it's so diverse, you know? And so I would never want to judge what a, a, a farmer is doing in Idaho or California or in the Chesapeake Bay area or down in Texas where we're sitting today because I don't know what the struggles are and the challenges are that, that come with what they're trying to do. So if folks are unfamiliar and they want to find out more about you, where can they go? They can uh, go to YouTube would be the, the main thing. Find my channel, Millennial Farmer. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at uh, MN Millennial Farmer. So Minnesota Millennial Farmer is where it started. And um, if, you, if you type in Millennial Farmer anywhere online, chances are you'll find me somewhere. And this is one of the great guys in the business doing it here. And uh, I really want you to go check out everything he's got. Make sure you support him. Go and share those links. Make sure that uh, uh, you're spreading the word about what he's doing. And uh, Zach, we really appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track here at the show. Hey, thanks, Brent. I appreciate it.
Well, next up, while at Commodity Classic, we had a chance to hear from Maddie Buxton with social media giant YouTube. She was assigned by the company to study trends in the growing amount of agriculture content on the platform, including that created by Zach Johnson. She took some time out to share with us some of her insights. Maddie, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So Maddie's got one of the coolest jobs I've heard here at Commodity Classic. Uh, they, she was assigned by YouTube to start looking at the growing niche of content creators in agriculture. Tell us about how that all got going and what you found out throughout your research. Yeah, so I'm YouTube's Culture and Trends Manager for the U.S. and Canada, and my team studies popular videos and tries to figure out why they're popular. And one of the places where we see a lot of trends beginning to start is through our Creator on the Rise program, which identifies emerging creators around the world. And we started to see a ton of farmers in all different markets, so everywhere from Indonesia to Canada, to France, to the US. Um, and what we've seen is a huge range. There's young farming creators, there are older farming creators. Um, we have first-time farmers, we have multi-generational farmers, so it really runs the gamut. But I think what's so interesting with this group is that they're taking something that you might not necessarily see in uh, mainstream entertainment. You might not see a farmer from Indonesia leading you on a tour of his crops, but you're getting to see that through YouTube. And one of the beautiful things, we were just talking a little bit ago here on the show with Zach Johnson with Millennial Farmer, and to watch where he's gone since 2016, and the power of organic creation that this guy's had and the reach that he's had, and then watching people come through this booth where we're at, and seeing little kids looking up to him like he's a rock star, that just really demonstrates to me the power that this content has to inspire people within this niche. Yeah. Zach's become a huge celebrity within the farming community. And I think one of the reasons that his videos resonate so much is that he's speaking to the viewer directly. He's really creating this one-on-one -on -one connection with you when you're watching his vlogs. And he's infusing a lot of educational content with really entertaining his personality, um, really sings. And and so, so you get both of those elements. Well, and this is really important because I know we were at the American Farm Bureau Federation convention in Austin last month, and one of the big focuses and one of the breakouts was we've got to be able to tell our story, and what better platform to be able to tell it than, than YouTube, which has such a tremendous following worldwide. Yeah, and one of the things that I love that Zach has done that a lot of a bunch of other farming creators have also started doing is going to tour each other's farms, and so going to see different um, different crops that they might not be working on themselves but that other farming creators are working on. And it's really created this whole community where they're collaborating with each other and exposing audiences to things that they wouldn't see otherwise. Mm -hmm. So when you started your research, did you have any preconceived notions or any any thesis? Or, you know, if so, what, what did you, was, was it lived up to? Or what did you find? I didn't have any preconceived notions. I think part of it was I was going in so blind. I was so unfamiliar with this content myself, which I think is true of a lot of audiences that aren't in the farming community. You're not exposed to these sorts of things. And I think that's what's so powerful about this content is that it's not only dispelling certain stereotypes that people might have, but it's also exposing them to a whole new world that they wouldn't have otherwise come into contact with. Uh -huh. 
what else did you learn through your research that was interesting? Um, let's see. One of the most interesting things I thought was I talked with some first-time farmers who um, were raising a lot of livestock, and one of the things that was so interesting was that um, there was a family that was raising uh, peacocks and another family that was raising emus, and they found that a lot of their viewership for the peacock videos was coming from India, and a lot of the viewership for the emu videos was coming from Australia, and part of that was that I think it is peacocks in India are a sacred animal, and so you don't see people interacting with them, and so viewers are really interested to see what that kind of human interaction is like, and so it just goes to show that, you know, you have these global audiences who are tuning into your content, and they wouldn't otherwise be interacting with, with your farm. It's beautiful. It brings the world together, doesn't it? Yeah, it's wonderful. So if folks are listening to this and they, they've had some idea of maybe not becoming a uh, social media superstar, but just getting out there and playing around and pulling back the curtain on their farming operation, or they feel like they've got a story to tell, what steps should they take? Definitely. So if you go to creatoracademy.youtube.com, there are a bunch of tips on getting started. So I'd say going there and then also going and watching some of these channels, going and watching Zach Don. Johnson's Millennial Farmer, um, watching Walker Farms, uh, and seeing seeing what they've done and how their channels have evolved over time is just a great a great um, study. Well, Maddie, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us and for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Finally, from Commodity Classic, we spent some time talking with Deborah Cole with Kansas State University about the Manhattan Kansas School's Master of Agribusiness program, as well as things prospective undergraduate students should consider when looking at agriculture programs. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from Commodity Classic 2020 in San Antonio, I'm here with Deborah Cole, who is a program coordinator with Kansas State University, the College of Agriculture, the Master of Agribusiness Agricultural Economics Program. And Deborah, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you very much. Tell us a bit about the Master of Agribusiness Program and why should people be considering that if they're in the market uh, for an MBA type program? Sure. So we're seeing a lot of off-the-shelf MBAs, people doing especially by distance right now. And what we found is, although some of those are very good, the majority of them have really not focused at all on our industry and our sector. So the, MB, the MAB stands apart because we are completely applied to food, ag, and animal health. It's a two-and-a-half-year degree program, mostly online. We do bring our students together uh, two times a year to break bread and do some professional development and network with one another. Um, so have had a pretty, impact, pretty great impact on the industry so far. And when you talk about the industry, uh, as your promotional materials point out, you guys have uh, uh, folks who are doing a lot right now in, in bakery science, feed science, milling science, and uh, get a lot of that hands-on training that helps them to be able to step right into a lot of those really uh, increasingly technological careers. Absolutely. We're one of the final milling sciences programs left in the U.S. Um, here at K-State. And one of the things that makes our grain science department that much stronger is the industry partnerships that we have, especially with our IGP Institute, um, bringing a lot of folks from around the world together to learn the technical aspects. Um, our students really stand out. We have more than 100% placement in jobs after they've graduated uh, with excellent salaries. So as we're talking to students who want a career in that area, 
area or who maybe don't know what exactly they want to do in the in the agricultural realm, that's a great option. And you know, K State's a great place to grow up professionally and and learn your trade. To think about the undergrad students, this is a time of year when a lot of students are starting to uh, really explore what's out there for them. What are some of the tips that you have for folks? What what kind of questions should they be asking, and what should they be seeing once they get onto campus? Absolutely. Our new student services department is wonderful to work with when you're scheduling a visit. We would really encourage our prospective students to get in over at the College of Agriculture. Um, ask specifically about the areas of, of interest you might have. We'd be happy to get you some information in the mail prior to your visit so you know what to ask for and to visit with you a little bit about where your strengths are and, and where you might be interested in, in serving in the future. Um, this time of year, a lot of universities do open house. K-State does have an open house coming up in April, the weekend of the 17th. Um, it's a great opportunity to come on campus, physically get into a lot of different departments. Everybody's kind of showcasing what they're doing and speaking back to our land-grant mission of serving our state and our country and the world in a, in a really unique way. If you're a sophomore in high school, this is a great time to be doing campus visits. If you're a junior in high school, also a great time. We have junior days in the fall every year, so keep an eye out for some information about that, um, and definitely be asking questions like, where can I go with this degree, and what are all of the costs that are involved, and how are you going to help me and support me after I come to campus? So if, if folks are investigating and want to know more about it, where can they go to find out more information? That is a great question. So we are at www.ksu.edu, and there's an entire section on new student services and admissions. We also have our college of Ag website linked there as well, and we'd be happy to take your call or visit with you. Deborah, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track, and we really encourage everybody to check out everything going on there at Kansas State University. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. We'll have more of our interviews from Commodity Classic 2020 on episode 46. Now we want to revisit National Farm Machinery Show 2020, held in Louisville, Kentucky, February 12th through the 15th. While at the show, we had the chance to hear from Bushhog's Ted Gregg about some of that venerable brand's latest product offerings, including a remote control mower that had them stopping in their tracks. Ted, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here. I tell you what, uh, every year just watching the people just kind of come in here in awe, looking at some of these products, uh, you guys got to be doing something right here. You know, it's, we've had a great week, a great crowd every day, a lot of interest in our products. Shows a lot of optimism for this year. You know, every farmer is a property owner, and every uh, every property owner's got to take care of everything they got here. And you guys have got some great stuff, including some new product introductions here for 2020. Yes, we do we have several new offerings for the year. And with us right this second, and we're in front of the BH2843RC. It's a remote controlled, radio controlled, 43 inch cut self-propelled mower for mowing hillsides up to 55 degree slopes. And if you can picture almost like a uh, Roomba on steroids uh, that can uh, go up and down up to a 55 degree uh, uh, grade, it's unbelievable the technology here. Uh, tell us a bit about the technology behind it. Well, this is a track vehicle which will help it hold the slopes. It, wait, they can program it to go cover an area, go to the perimeter of an area, and then turn it loose and it'll mow everything within that area. Or you can get as far as 450 feet away from it and control it with a handheld or radio-controlled remote, which sends a signal to it to go back and forth and mow that area, where you would not even want to stand up there on that side hill. I think you'd like to use it in your backyard. <laughs> 
I envisioned sitting on the deck with a cold beer, watching that thing do the work for me, all the work that uh, is kind of painstaking. But it's designed to handle all the grasses you want and up to the small saplings, new growth material, not for clearing land like the old bush hogs, but for maintaining that area up on that side hill. Beautiful product here. What else is new here for 2020? We're going to step over here to our boom mower. It's the RMB 1880F. It is a forward-reaching three-point hitch boom mower. This one will reach up to 20 feet. Designed for that tractor, 80 horse and above, and I'd recommend in most areas over 100 horse. But an excellent mower with several different offerings for a cutter head. We'll have the uh, heavy-duty up to 4-inch cutting capacity bush hog rotary cutter. We'll have the hammer-type flail mower on it, and even a ditching motor, uh, ditch air, ditcher for out there for maintaining and cleaning roadside ditches. What else? Okay, Bushhog offers a full line of zero turns. We have the intra-level or economy line. We have a contractor series and a professional mower line. Added to our professional mower line this year, we have a 38 horsepower up to 73-inch cut zero turn. So I use a Briggs and Stratton 38 horsepower engine. Well, we also added a shock absorbing front axle on it to cushion the ride for our bigger operators. And this mower will really get with the program. You ought to come in and get stop by your local bush hog dealer and see this because this is going to set a new standard in grass cutting. Any other new products we want to showcase here? Brent, now we're in front of our bush hog model 2310. This is a nine foot nine cutting width product. We rate it for the 10 foot market. It, Features our gearbox warranty, which is on all of our rotary cutters. This is new for 2020, just released this week, but retroactive to the first of the year. That warranty gives you six years parts and labor on all of our rotary cutter gearboxes. Another four years parts only on all the Bush Hog rotary cutter gearboxes. This new model is new. It's got the new 130 horsepower gearboxes on it. New for our line, a deeper deck, clean, sleek design, keeping our continuing our clean, easy, clean deck design and the durability of a Bushhog product people have known for years. This thing is a game changer. It is a game changer. We're going to step over to our single gearbox cutters now. Okay, Brent, we have our BH100 series. This series of rotary cutters is for one-inch cut capacity. We offer it in a four-foot, five-foot, and six-foot mowers. The model numbers be BH114, 116, or 115, and 116. So the five, four, five, and six-foot cut, ready to cut the one-inch saplings, all the grasses you want. New cleans designed for us with a heavier 60 horsepower gearbox than we offered in the past. Robotic welding, very neat and durable product. Glad to enter it through the offer. Very price competitive. Now we're going to step over to our new 500 series cutter. Bushhog has offered this last six months the new BH400 series and BH500 series mowers. That BH400 series is ready to cut four inch trees. All the grasses you want, very durable design, uses a 210 horsepower gearbox. New to our line, replacing our old 300 series, okay? It'll cut the four inch. Our new BH500 series cutter is a six foot cutter. Has a 225 horsepower gearbox with a three inch output shaft and a very heavy duty blade pan holder. Very durable. If you've got the guts to get through it with your tractor, this machine's gonna make toothpicks out of it. Again, we have that 10 year guarantee on our gearboxes. 
Hey, and the uh, the good thing about this is you can get it for the red guys, the green guys, the orange guys, or the blue guys. Right. Whatever you like, uh, they, they, they'll match it up so you, there's no color clashing there. We tell the guys paint comes in a can. We make a good bush hog, and we're proud to put it behind anybody's tractor they want to put on it. And if anybody wants to see any of these new products, go to your bush hog dealer, or if you want to check them out on the web, where do they go? www.bushhog.com. I want to add one more thing. Bushhog has a supports breast cancer, and to do that, we accept donations for toward a zero turn, which we give away in October at the Moultrie Georgia Show. But we accept that online at our many shows, donations, and gets a ticket, and all proceeds, all proceeds go to our breast cancer research. So, so make sure you go check those guys out uh, and get your local bush hog dealer. Check them out online. And, Ted, we thank you for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you. Finally, from the National Farm Machinery Show, we heard from a southern Indiana success story, Lockjaws, which makes post insulators for electric fences. Like most innovative products, it was born of necessity, and then it became a rapid sensation through social media. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from the National Farm Machinery Show, Louisville, Kentucky. I'm here with Wade Simon, who's a co-owner owner of Lock Jaws. That's Jaws with a Z. They do uh, T-Post insulators. And uh, welcome, uh, Wade, to uh, Fast Line Fast Track. Thanks. We appreciate it. These guys are based out of Georgetown, Indiana, not too far uh, down the road from where we are and uh, close to uh, one of our radio partners, WOCC Radio in Corden, Indiana. And uh, Nick, tell us about the beginnings of Lock Jaws. How did, how did all this come to be? Well, we were refencing the entire family farm five years ago. And uh, as we were building, building the fence, there was all those frustrations that we had. We would sit around and talk about it every night, and then we started designing products. We have a 3D printer, so we started building products, and then we spent two years building these insulators, and over the two years, we uh, came up with 52 different models of it until we got to the one we wanted to sell. So then we came here in 2017 with 12 of them in our pocket, walked around and talked to farmers, said, what do you all think? They said, y'all need to start making these. So Nick and I got in the parking lot, said, hey, I guess we're going to empty our piggy banks out and start making these. So we started making them in June of 2017. We started selling them. And since then, we sold over 5.5 million of them. And uh, we appreciate all the support from the farmers. And then this year, we launched two new products, which is our spring clips for non-electric fencing, for field fencing and stuff, and then our new corner braces. And uh, they've taken off like crazy. We sold a million of our spring clips on Facebook in five months. So necessity being the mother of invention, you guys have taken this thing from 2017 to 2020 and built one heck of a product in, uh, in company here. Yeah, I mean, we appreciate all the support. We get a lot of feedback from the farmers, and we just continue to build products and work on them. So, and how many of these shows do you do in a year? Well, we do six a year uh, because we most of the time we're either working on the farm or building product. Sure. Um, so we do about six a year. Yep. And we saw these guys down in Moultrie, Georgia, at the uh, Sunbelt Ag Expo here recently, and here they are here. And uh, great product. If you want to know more about them, go to LockJaws.com. That's L-O-C-K-J-A-W-Z.com. Or you can give them a call at 812-777-J-A-W-Z. And uh, Wade, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And now we want to take you to Hank Snow's iconic Rainbow Ranch in Madison, Tennessee, for the music of Cody Wickline, presented by the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway, in the heart of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Cody was on The Voice 
in 2015 and has opened for the likes of Leonard Skinner and John Michael Montgomery. He continues to make a name for himself in Nashville as a true country artist, and I can't wait for you to hear from him now. Cody, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great, man. It's, uh, I'm super excited to have you here. Uh, and Cody uh, was on The Voice in 2015, member of Team Blake. And uh, has been putting out some great traditional, true country music, the kind we love here on Fast Line, Fast Track, and uh, a native of uh, Southern West Virginia. Yes, sir. So tell me about that experience, what growing up in, in West Virginia was like, and uh, how you cut your teeth on country music. Well, you know, um, West Virginia is just a place that it's always extraordinary um, to. You know, people visit, and I think you take it for granted once you do leave um, the beauty of the state. And um, I'd say, you know, what really got me into music was my grandfather. Um, you know, listening to all those old records, and and uh, I think one of the first ones I listened to was Charlie Pride, and um, you know, just. He he kind of introduced me to that music. You know, it was either Hank Williams Senior, any anywhere from Hank Williams Senior to to George Jones and on up. You know, so it was. I, I learned from an early age. You know, uh, to love country music, and so that's kind of that's that's why you know it's become a passion of mine. Um, I, I was hearing that music, and I remember going into uh, kindergarten when everybody was you know listening to. The pop of the late '90s, and and um, I remember I'd, I'd be like, you know, uh, have you ever heard of this guy named George Jones? And they're like, <laughs> well, who's that? And I didn't understand why, you know, that I guess I wasn't popular at that time. <laughs> <laughs> you were ahead of your time, is what it was. I guess so. Did a little bit with the radio station there, and also uh, with the the Texaco Country Showdown. Yeah, I did actually. Um, that that was probably the start of uh, me really taking music serious as a from a musician perspective. Um, I always loved music. I always loved to sing, but I never really, you know, thought of it being uh, as a profession or, or you know career. Um, and then I, I had the chance to do a project in school where I had to sing, and with a good friend of mine, and. Um, well, the only thing that I noticed I was lacking is I, I couldn't play anything. You know, I, I come from a family that, that loved music, but nobody uh, was a musician themselves. So I kind of had to start from square one, and I'm like, you know, well, I better get to it and, and start trying to learn how to play a guitar or something. And so I started teaching myself, and next thing you know, uh, I go and try out for the Texaco Country Showdown, and... Uh, that leads me to a uh, spot on a local radio station. And then next thing you know, I'm, I'm going up there and uh, singing a lot of songs on the radio and uh, doing little homegrown spotlights and stuff. And and then just, you know, everything just kind of seemed to escalate from there. Um, and now it's I've been doing it full time for five years and uh, it's been quite a journey. What song did you use for the Texaco Showdown? I sang uh, Only Place I Call Home by Justin Moore. Oh, great song. So uh, how, how do you go from that to uh, uh, the voice? How, first of all, how, where, where did you audition? How did all that come about? And uh, how did that whole process work out for you? Well, <clears throat> I actually, um, 
I got an email one day. I'd been putting a bunch of songs on YouTube, and uh, I get an email, and it's from this casting director that's with The Voice. And, of course, I thought it was spam at first, but they're like, hey, um, we've seen one of your videos, and we're encouraging people to come that we, you know, we think may be uh, suitable for our show to come and try out. You know, we're, we're trying to get them to go and try out let us know if you'd like to try out and at the time I was in college and um you know I had a big decision I had to make it was either you know take a chance and and uh go try out for the voice or and, and drop out of school or uh stay in school and not try to you know chase my dream and um so uh, I eventually come to the conclusion that I'm dropping out of school <laughs> and so uh which has been one of the best decisions. I mean, I wouldn't encourage anybody to to do that, but uh, for me in particular, you know, it was a gamble, but it, it's ended up paying off, uh, you know, since then. So, I, so anyhow, you know, getting back to to the voice thing, um, I went up to Washington D.C., uh, tried out up there, and they sent me out to California, and uh, I went through another round of auditions. And I come back home, and then they called me again and said, you know, we want you to come out and, and do a blind audition. And then it's kind of just, you know, it went on from there. What was that experience like? Uh, it was a pretty, uh, <clears throat> I would say probably one of the most uh, craziest, amazing, and stressful times of my life. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things that that I can say is, is it really... Uh, it helped me find myself as an artist a lot more, you know, than, you know, as far as, as getting into, like, professionalism, you know, it taught me so much about, uh, you know, what, how to act on stage, how to how to reach, you know, your point across through your music, and, and it just kind of, I guess it made me more creative, you know, and being around all the other musicians was was the big thing. Mm-hmm. What was some of the best advice that you got from, from the folks that you got coaching from on that show? Um, <clears throat> I'd say uh, probably some of the best advice was uh, they wanted to, you know, they, they wanted everything to be authentic and for me to be me. And um, I think that that's something that's really stuck with me my whole life is uh, as long as I'm making music that's honest, uh, I don't see anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you talked about uh, dropping out of school. You were uh, going for a degree in nursing. I was, yeah. I was um, I was in nursing school. Um, I'd went through a whole year, and I was going into the second year when, uh, well, it was during the summer right before my second year. Uh, well, I went two years before, but as far as actual nursing school, it, it was one year. Mm-hmm. What, what was it about that career that uh, that, that appealed to you? Um, you know, I think uh, what appealed to me the most is I'd be working with people. You know, it'd be something different, and plus I'd be able to to do something that you know that reaches out to people, touches people in a special way. You know. Being able to care for somebody or, or, you know, help somebody through a hard time, um, which I think kind of relates, you know, a lot through uh, the way my music is now. You know, that's what I focus on is how can I tell my stories and, and uh, 
you know, things I went through in life and try to help other people that are going through similar situations. I love that. I think that's so much of what's lacking in country music today is that storytelling and uh, the, the ability that the guys like George Jones and Charlie Pride had to be able to lay those songs out there, man. So it's awesome that you're picking that up. What's next for you? Well, right now I've got, uh, I have an album out. Um, it's been out for a couple of years now. We just got to uh, where we're starting to, to ship those out online. You can do place online orders, uh, Um So we just got that set up. We've gotten uh, quite a lot of orders. Because what made me start it was I had so many people messaging me wanting to know, hey, can we get your CDs you know, somewhere else other than your shows? And I was like, you know, I've got to figure out how to do this. And it just hit me, you know, I, I need to set this online store up. And so we got that set up, and that's kind of a, uh, I'd say, a step forward for me going into the next album, which I'm actually working on now. Um, I've got a few acoustic tracks and stuff that uh, I'll be releasing momentarily, and then... Um, <clears throat> somewhere down the line uh, we're going to release a full length album that's awesome something that a lot of people probably don't know this guy here uh, once was a roommate of another guy we've had on the show here Dylan Carmichael oh yeah yeah me and Dylan we've uh, we've been best friends for probably I'd say three or four years now um, two of which we lived together which we pretty much lived together before then but I was just, at the time, I was just coming down and staying with him and, and uh, my other roommate, Ryan. Um, but, yeah, so basically it was me in a household of uh, Kentucky boys. So <laughs> That's not always easy for a guy from West Virginia, <laughs> is it? Well, you know, we, we all kind of, we're all kind of brothers and sisters, uh, I guess. What kind of stuff did you like to do? Did you get, I mean, were there some epic jam sessions? Did you just hang out and watch movies? What did you, you guys do? Yeah, we, you know, uh, I think what happens a lot of times when, um, you have a best friend that's also a singer and a songwriter. Um, we'd be out, you know, we'd go out and, uh, you know, fish or do something like that. And, and then next thing you know, we come back to the house. We're sitting there, and he's like, hey, listen to this. I just come up with this hook. Next thing you know, we got a song or, you know, vice versa. I'm like, hey, man, what do you think about this melody? And uh, we actually, you know, just, we never really planned anything. Um, we did set up a couple of rights with other people together. Um, but as far as, you know, a lot of the stuff that we wrote together, uh, it's kind of just happened naturally. And we'd just be sitting around the house goofing off and, uh, you know, picking around on a guitar or something, you know, and it just seemed like just all at once we'd end up with something. So what's uh, what, what's the rest of 2020 looking like for you? I got a handful of dates there on the books, and we got some other orders, you know, people coming in uh, wanting me to play. So uh, 
It's looking pretty good so far. Man, well, we sure wish you the best of success with it all. You're one of the good ones here, man, doing the kind of music that needs to be heard out there in the country. So, man, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track, and you're welcome to come back and share that music anytime you want. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Again, make sure you go check out his website and make sure you go check out his socials. Give him that website again one more time. It's uh, www.codywicklinemusic.com. So go check that out. Uh, follow him on social media. Go download his music. Uh, put put a couple bucks in his pocket and uh, help him out here. And uh, let's uh, get, help him get his career uh, to that next level. So we're going to get him mic'd up and let you listen to the sounds of Cody Wickline. My name's Cody Wickline, and this uh, song I'm about to do I wrote for my lovely girlfriend, and it's called Waking Up to You. Solid ground, God bless the day I finally found 
song here is a uh, song that uh, I wrote a few years ago and uh, with my good buddy Dylan Carmichael and uh, this is a song that pretty much talks about the guy that no girl wants to meet and uh, it's called Mr. Wrong. Cigarette in an old honky tonk. An image of my father conceived in an old honesome song. A bad seed my mother tried. Heartless 
This song here, I wrote it a few years ago, and uh, uh, it's really special to me. I wrote it about my father, and um, it's actually the the title track to uh, my debut album, Sign of a Working Man, and uh, so I'd like to do it here this evening. Uh, it just means a lot to me. It's called Son of a Working Man.
filled with love, you understand. And I'm proud to be the son of a working man. As I look through these old photographs, I remember all the good times. West Virginia working man And those were the great country sounds of our pal Cody Wickline. Be sure to check out his music at CodyWicklineMusic.com and check out the rest of his performance on episode 45 of Fastline Fast Track at Fastline.com. And while you're there, if you're in the market for farm equipment, make sure you check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. Also, if you're not receiving our print catalog for your state or region, subscribe there today. Again, that's Fastline.com. If you subscribe to the Fastline Fast Track podcast, yet? Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or iHeartRadio. Also add our newly updated Spotify playlist to your library for music from past, current, and upcoming guests of the show. And be sure to follow Fastline Fast Track on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube to stay up to date on all the latest happenings with the show, including appearances at farm shows and events nationwide. Until next week, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fastline Fast Track, presented by Fastline Media Group. To learn more about Fastline's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastlineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, Fastline.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at Fastline.com.